welcome to the Millennial Pagan Podcast, the podcast that's bringing a voice to the growing number of Millennial Pagans in our brand of witchcraft, magic, practice, and worship. We're your hosts, Autumn Wolf and Jarrah Stone, and we also have a couple of guests in the studio with us. We have Sprig and Phoenix. Hi, guys. How are you guys doing today? Really great. Yeah. Beautiful. How are you? Doing, doing pretty good. It's been a hectic week, but it's been great, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I've had some pretty positive experiences this week, so I'm happy. It's, it's been uh, been an interesting, actually, hectic week at work, and that's kind of been the main focus for my week, unfortunately. But had a nice big party here at the house last night, so we were I was able to just release a lot of that energy and relax most of the day today. I bought a new car. Well, lucky you. Yeah. So today's episode, we have Sprig and Phoenix. Can you both say your names? That way our audience knows whose voice is whose. I'm Sprig. I'm Phoenix. And we're asking both of these lovely ladies to join us today because we're discussing a pretty big issue that Jara and I don't really have firsthand experience with. I know some of you will say that we're actually a month late on this topic, but tackling this issue is, it's never the wrong time. It's never too late, too early. I think it's Perfect timing. So what we're going to be talking about is LBGTQ issues in paganism. Uh, But of course, first, let's get to know our guests and see what your coming of which stories are. So who wants to go first? Okay, so um, I've been a witch for three years now, I think. Okay, so how did you, what were your first experiences with coming to the craft, or what what drew you to the craft? Um, um, through living with Sprig, we were um, actually living with a old kooky kitchen witch. Her house was something straight out of Harry Potter, cobwebs and cats and chickens in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, live ones, they would come in through the dog door. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah, my chickens stay in the backyard. Yeah, <laughs> It yeah. was exciting. <laughs> Books everywhere, altars everywhere. You know, it was very grungy, witchy. Ooh. But it was charming, you know, if you have that inside of you, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty great. Some people called her a hoarder, but... Oh, well. So, what do you call your practice? Well, I started as a solitary practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, old Scott Cunningham kind of did, like, a self-dedication, and that kind of started off my path and started I guess putting those psychic feelers out there like you want more you want to go deeper mm-hmm. you know, I want I need community I want mentors to show up so I, I guess it was early forms of manifestation for me and that kind of brought us to Jane Phoenix in more of a mentor capacity and then just a proprietor of a store that we like pointed us towards Arizona Reclaiming which I think is a similar story to a lot of us in uh, the ACR community. Yep, that's very true. And Jane Phoenix owns Dragon Star Books down in East Mesa. So, right. and yeah, she was the one that brought me into the group as well. So, what kind of training have you received? Almost a year ago, I was formally initiated into the fairy tradition of witchcraft, um, an American traditional right. witchcraft uh, tradition. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of started up in the 80s in San Francisco and reclaiming the reclaiming tradition actually became an offshoot of the fairy tradition right but they're still very much intertwined it's just kind of different expressions of the same thing is how I describe it mm-hmm. reclaiming is more outward activism community and the fairy is 
all the inward stuff, the unraveling and the putting back together, the staring into the mirror and of deep reflection and having to look at the ugly things. And because in fairy, it's all like an infinity loop and it passes through different phases. Right. You see, see some dark things about yourself, but yeah. it's all about self-knowledge and making yourself better and making everything around you better. Right. And when I first met you both, then you were already a couple of months into your practice with us as a group. Um, You told me uh, some things about how it's already helped you at that point. Do you want to talk about how much of an amazing change that you felt because of connecting to that magic? It's held me together through some rough times. It's been helping me when I say staring into that black mirror, you know, it's, it's not cliche, you know, it's, it not only forces you to look at those things and take responsibility for them and do something about them, but it kind of brings them out through that process, mm-hmm. you know, so if you have skeletons in the closet, they kind of turn into zombies in your bedroom. <laughs> right. That's a good metaphor. I like that. So for me personally, um, I've had a lot of rage issues from the past that have kind of come back up, so dealing with anger and mostly centered around anxiety. I have an anger response to anxiety or from feeling confused or frustrated or hungry, tired, <laughs> etc. So that response, you know, those reactions is one thing, but also dealing with the anxiety in the first place, not letting things build up. You know, so the container building is very important in our tradition. Um, the psychic container that holds all that background noise, you know, and whatever work we're doing you know, capital W, but it's, it doesn't have infinite capacity or strength, you know, so building the container to make it bigger, but also make the walls stronger, but also dealing with learning proper throughput (laughs) so that it's not overflowing or running empty. Are there any particular deities that you worship or work with? Worship, not so much. I I would say I have strong reverence for the guardians of fairy, Mm -hmm. the elemental archetypes star goddess which is eminent in all and that that's a common thread in in both of our traditions the idea that god is many and we are many but also god is one and everything is one everything is god star goddess god herself (laughs) there's a lot of paradox in fairy but it's helped me navigate paradoxical situations because there's a lot of those in real life that Mm -hmm. comes up it's like oh i have you know x amount of things that I need to get done, but I only have so much time or energy or money or, you know, you know, there's a lot of those damned if you do, damned if you don't situations. So I think understanding paradox itself and being comfortable with it just helps in life in general. Right. I think that's something that we as magical people can, we can hold two ideas, you know, science and, you know, oh, there's actually a fire spirit in the bonfire now, you know, or whatever. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So, Sprig, do you want to tell us your coming of which story? Sure. I was in junior high, and I was uh, not quite Catholic. I had not been confirmed. It just was the roll of the dice. That's how it happened. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a tarot reading from my best friend, who was really cool, my best friend. I really valued her opinions, so, like, her sister doing something for me was a really cool thing. Um, but it was moving because it gave me hope about the future and a time I felt really uncertain. Um, so after that, for whatever reason, synchronicity, my um, sister brought home all of Silver Ravenwolf's books 
and we were piling and peeling through them because they were not like anything we'd seen before. Um, and they didn't really fit for me, but it really made me feel like, okay, I don't have to be cornered into this that I was born into, that I've been raised into. I can figure out where I fit because mm -hmm. if there's this other thing I've never heard anything about, there's probably a hundred other things that I've known nothing about. So how I came to Fairy, though, was through Jane Phoenix at Dragonstar. Um, and she has been integral to a lot of change in my life um, because I don't think that without her friendship and the inspiration to attend the group, that I would be alive today. Right. Some of the good that Reclaiming has done for me um, more as a personal responsibility thing is that I do not drink to hurt myself anymore. And it's a scary place to be in your 30s and not know where you fit in. But it was really amazing to find Reclaiming and everything just, it fit. And it's... It's really changed my life, and I'm working towards a new career now, and I was able to make it through a hard time um, with my dad passing and losing a friend, and I just, I don't know that I'd be here without them. And the, the activism part about it is probably um, the biggest draw for me, that not only do you have a personal responsibility for yourself, but for other people's safety and wellness as well. So I have a responsibility to do what I can for plastic in the ocean or for kids locked in cages. I don't have an obligation to sit on my ass and do nothing while people are, people are suffering. Why, while I have a brand new computer and some people don't have electricity or live on a dollar a day. And I have never been the person who's look the other way. I, I can't. So finding other people who don't look the other way and then fairy, I see it more as a, instead of uh, reclaiming being the activism portion, fairy being the devotional part. So there's speaking out. So seeing God in other people and then um, devotional, seeing God in yourself. So you, you asked Phoenix um, if she had any specific deities that she spends time with or venerates or how, however you, you phrased it. Mm -hmm. um, I spend a lot of time with Hokate and I think that's because I go through a lot of transitions mm -hmm. and it's kind of different I suppose than what other people would imagine for the uh, cloaked hooded figure with a torch mm -hmm. uh, but I kind of see it as like you're the earth going around the sun and when you go behind the moon, the sun's not there anymore. It's gone. But you know it's there. And that's the idea that I get from being the light in the dark, the, the hope mm -hmm. from Hakate. So with all the changes and the deaths and sadness, I, I find myself able to create new hope every day. And that's not something I had before. So that's my part in that. <laughs> That's absolutely beautiful. So do you consider your practice a religion? Yeah. Okay. It's a lifestyle. 
<laughs> Some people would say their practice is just a practice or it, their religion is separate from their magical practice. So, right. yeah, that's... that's certainly the case in her claiming. We have a lot of people who are not um, traditionally in the West what we would think of as pagans. Mm -hmm. We have um, people who are Hindu who come to our celebrations sometimes. And I mean, it is far out there, so it is a drive, but a lot of people who come from a lot of varying traditions end up together. And I think that's what's really beautiful about reclaiming is an outer core is because you can show up and celebrate the Sabbaths no matter what your background is or where you're coming from, as long as you have an open heart. It plays nice with other traditions. It mm. does. I agree. So um, do you both practice magic often? And what kind of magic do you practice? Oh, every day. <laughs> That's another thing that fairies done because this is my experience, but you can ask pretty much any fairy initiate that it pretty much begins with unraveling, mm -hmm. like pulling out a sweater until it's just a pile of threads and then you have to re-knit it because you can't just leave it that way. Um, it's no longer a sweater. But in the process of that, you you know, there's a new name given. There's um, a chance to bring things in and leave things behind. But... For me, anyway, there's also been a melding of the worlds. There really isn't a separation between, you know, magical and mundane. They don't, they're all, you know, is sacred, you know. So a magical act that I do is, for example, when I, if I'm the first one into the office, I'll put my hand on the light switch, you know, in our department. Holy Mother, in whom we live, move, and have our being. From you, all things emerge, and unto you, all things must return. Blessed be this day, and turn on the lights. And that's one example of how I try to leave the place better, mm -hmm. you know, pick up a piece of trash, but also watch my thought forms that I'm putting out, you know, in whatever space I'm in, because thoughts become forms and I can make the place better physically, but also spiritually or emotionally, um, psychically. And that's just a, a way to make a contribution. Both of these traditions are very service related, I believe. Our work finds us. <laughs> like. Um, Sprig was referring to, you know, we have we gave a, a ride up the road to a, a pregnant homeless homeless woman, you know, from Circle K the other day. Just you know, these situations like seek us out. It seems like, you know, it's like there was other people around, but I'm the one that she's calling out to for help. Mm -hmm. So it's, I, openness is a really big part of it. Um, when you're open to other, you see other, <laughs> you see the patterns. No matter if you're in Circle or in Circle K. So a lot of uh, my magical practice is basically um, lighting incense, journaling, and swearing. There's a lot of crying. Um, people say that spiritual practice is really beautiful, and there's a lot of fine garb and candles and um, cool colored fire and neat effects, but um, it's none of that. It's hard work, and the work... Um, even if you don't want it, will find you. Mm -hmm. And it will keep telling you that it's there if you don't do it, um, which I think you've experienced before. A lot, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Welcome to I'm not doing enough work. <laughs> no, I agree. So most of my magical practice is like that. Sometimes it's cleaning the whole house and good self-care, um, what you can do to make things better as they are, to find the good in everything, even... Even when the day sucks, yeah. even when everything goes wrong, finding the good in it. Because otherwise you lose that little 
nugget of hope, mm-hmm. you know, before the sun re- reappears. <laughs> right. Um, Hestia is one of our household deities. And we have a big altar in the front of our house to Hestia. But also sometimes I call the stove, you know, the Hestia. Because in every Greek temple, there was the center was the fire and the center was the Hestia. That's what they called it. There was no standalone temple to Hestia because all Greek temples were Hestia's temples also. There's also that inner fire within us that must be tended. And that's one of the ways that helps me remember to do things like dishes and <laughs> wipe down the stove. Not that Hestia necessarily demands it. Sometimes she does if we really neglect it. Right. But I feel like I feel her smile when I do. And it's a way to have that connection with other mm-hmm. in the mundane. One of the quick things is we always have hot water on the stove. Um, on low, on the back burner, a kettle. Mm-hmm. Whether we're home or not, <laughs> 24 hours a day, we tend to it, we refill it. You know, so it's it's almost like a modern day eternal flame, but also that Hestia connection because there's always that hot water available for drinks or, you know, oh, would you like a cup of coffee or a cup of tea? Or... Mm-hmm. That's interesting because uh, from a Celtic standpoint, I was, tra- I was always trained that if you're not using your stove or your hearth, you're supposed to have a candle lit on it and that is for um, Bridget and that is to maintain the flame of Bridget. And so that that's interesting there's that crossover. But um tell us who Hestia was as far as a deity or was was it just this idea of the flame? Um no she very much was a, a literal, you know, Greek deity. Passion, truth. Household burns away mm-hmm. yeah, just household. That is family hearth. center. Hearth and home. That's yeah. That's who she was. You know, but there's a lot that a lot of high magic that happens in the heart and the home. Mm-hmm. You know, and kitchen witches are not to be messed with. <laughs> you, you know that firsthand, don't you, Adam? I live with a kitchen witch. <laughs> tomatoes stewed to oblivion. Angered mm. <laughs> tomatoes. So now that now that we've learned a little bit about about you guys uh, coming to coming to your yourselves coming to uh, coming to your your religion. Now we, we of course we have you both here because you two are in a relationship. Yes. And we kind of want to know a little bit more about what uh, what it entails being a part of the LGBTQ community inside of paganism because it's it's not something that a lot of people uh, I guess associate with it, but it's something that's there. And we want to talk to uh, we want to talk specifically with you two because you number one you're 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 a forefront for uh for cute couples if i can just say that (laughs) very true very true um but also your uh your walks not just with your your religion but also your lifestyle are beacons for other people and i i i know that that we we uh when autumn and i were talking about bringing guys on uh or about uh, about bringing somebody in the community who is lgbtq literally the first people that came to mind were you two so uh how does being that community how does how does being lgbtq coincide with your paganism uh with my paganism Mm -hmm. almost in the dna of of it at least in the fairy tradition Mm -hmm. it's a very clear tradition we believe there's a divine male and female in all of us one of our creation myths is the story of star goddess and Myriad. In the beginning, there was nothing. And 
star goddess was alone and awesome in herself and saw her reflection in the deep black mirror of space and was enamored by it, by her reflection, fell in love with it, and it became form, it became Miria, the wonderful. And so she made love to this embodiment of her reflection and, you know, through their their love she became swollen with love filled with it and burst forth all the planets and the spirits that you know gave birth to all the different worlds you know but in that great movement Miria was swept away and as she moved out from star goddess she became gradually more masculine first she became the blue god kind of a, a androgynous cherub that you know that the peacock angel sometimes he is referred to or or the sky father and then he became the, the green god, covered in vines. And then he finally became the horned one, who forever seeks to return in love. So star goddess, because um, all was created in love, all seeks to return. So that that's kind of at the core of our religion, you know, kind of this lesbian, transgender, <laughs> in-between, you know, part, because it all started with star goddess in the first place. You know, so it, it's a lot of metaphor. You know, for what's within. But one thing's at the basis of the entire story. Love. Yeah. And you can almost look at it from a feminist standpoint as being even non-gendered. Because if you look at how in language we keep using the masculine, while a lot of feminism is turning that around and saying, well, let's use the feminism as the dominant first. And therefore, if we take gender out of that equation, it could be a genderless love that created it all and therefore open to all. I, I find that for the most part, I've not had to experience any naysaying from mm-hmm. any pagans I've come across. Um, initially, I was a solitary practitioner because I was alone, uh, a teenager in my bedroom, um, on my nightstand, <laughs> still in my bedroom. Um, and I was a solitary until two years ago. So it's not been... A long amount of time with people however the whole experience does not seem inundated with the sort of um, disdain that I probably receive uh, elsewhere um, in the church of my birth any of that Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that other communities would be as accepting I've been to pagan pride though and I've never had a problem there Mm -hmm. everybody's been very open how it's affected me personally, I don't think it has. I don't think that it's something that has influenced any part of of my interaction with paganism in general mm-hmm. or other pagans. So it ne- you never had you never had a problem with. They always seemed to go hand in hand. Like it just they just fit. There was no question about either. I think one. people just kind of accept you as you are, mm-hmm. um, which. It's not something I've experienced before. Uh, I spent a lot of my formative years in the Midwest, um, and I, you know, a number of people with the right inflection, interesting has a whole different meaning. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you get used to the layers that people use to protect their biases, Mm -hmm. and you become so used to them that when other people use the wrong inflection, you're like, is that really interesting? Or, you know, did you want to alter your inflection there? <laughs> Nobody knows what I'm talking about because, you know, we're Phoenix now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I think I think it's important to draw a distinction between fertility traditions and aesthetic traditions. Right. The reclaiming principles of unity uh, specifically talk about the difference between the two, uh, which you can find on reclaiming.org. Both fairy and reclaiming are very much an aesthetic tradition. <laughs> we sometimes joke that we're the Pentecostals of paganism. We're the black sheep, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because we don't focus so much on that, you know, dichotomy of male and female, god and mm-hmm. goddess um, cycle, you know, of conception and swelling and birthing and growing and dying and... Mm-hmm. We, we do play with those cycles a lot, uh, or bits of them, um, but in a static way. So it's more about the energy that we're raising within us and, and within our circles. It's more about the, the work that we do, you know, the things that we're manifesting, um, and the things that we're cultivating within ourselves. We get into the stories of the goddess, gods and goddesses, you know, from all different pantheons, but we use them as tools to create change within our priestesses but we do play with those themes when we're talking about birth or motherhood or maidenhood has it ever come to a point where you've had issue or felt uncomfortable or couldn't connect with those symbols or that usage i found myself in an interesting position last sabbath i was not able to attend the planning Mm -hmm. and um I was tending, I don't really know, it's, it's a vagina station. Right. And I was um, helping people culminate their passion, I guess is how I can tie mm-hmm. that in euphemism-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an uncomfortable position for me. But what I know from my experience is that being uncomfortable in that moment allowed me to grow a lot. And it was weird, but it definitely wasn't that weird. And I was uh-huh. so glad to be part of the magic that we did make. So um, besides that, because <laughs> that's a little far for me, you know, like fall on vagina. But um, yeah. yeah. And, and if you wanted to hear my thoughts on that, like we did a mini soda on that. Yeah. Do you have any? About the vagina tents? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we um, did a mini so because I actually had a terrible experience there. I became the conduit of everyone's negative feelings and discomfort. Oh, don't do that. Yeah, and yeah. That, no, that's why if you noticed, I started getting snippy and before. frustrating. I couldn't be part of growing the cone. It was absolutely terrible because I was so jealous while you guys were enjoying the growing of the cone and the dancing around the fire because I was like that is everything we are and I am stuck over here being pissed off about nothing it, it, it was it was very interesting especially those that that noticed yeah oh I share yeah. that I'm sorry for snipping at you no, still no it's fine I know but it's you'd... interesting how people have different experiences though because I mean um mm-hmm. I I Went home without my dress. Mm-hmm. So I mean, obviously it was a good was ritual when you basket. can't. Yeah, we it did end up home with us. <laughs> okay, but that's good. Like I had to go to the car in my scarf and my bra. So I mean, yeah. that that's how it was for me. Uncomfortable, but like good too. And I, I'm. Yeah, it's interesting. It was just so weird because it was like I was sitting next to both of you. I was sitting next to Jara mm-hmm. and Sunshine, and I am. Um, ecstatic about how 
both of y'all's relationships are going. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I love all of these people. This is great. This is fun. And suddenly I was pissed off about boobs. I did not know why. I'm like, I have a pair. I'm fine with seeing other people's pair. Why are they jiggling and pissing me off? I'm sorry. This is not what the episode's about, but that was my experience. <laughs> and if you guys want to hear about that, ex- that experience, make sure you join our Patreon page. Minisodes. Yes. <laughs> Exclusive minisodes. Anyway, sorry. Just it just had to do that plug because it seemed it seemed to fit. Right it was there. appropriate. Yes, I agree. So caveat: Do you want to talk about maybe since we already talked about your coming of which, how um, you found out about? this part of yourselves or what your actual expression is see it's really interesting for me um because as it was um i didn't really identify at all as Mm -hmm. anything i am not straight not gay not in between i just it didn't matter right i dated girls i slept with girls i dated guys i slept with guys kind of went back and forth so maybe it was bi i didn't really know you know there was a lot of self-discovery that doesn't make sense this is a millennial you know we have screens in front of us all the time so it's hard to get in connect to who you really are mm-hmm. um so i was doing all these things anyways happy then i met phoenix and everything's been more clear i had a little identity crisis and was trying to figure things out because i had just married a man and i did not understand where I fit into this. I thought I was being evicted. So three months after we got married, which don't don't be angry with her, it was a bombshell for her too. But it was about comfort. And I can't actually, um, as like a sort of catharsis, something that felt good, I came out as gay on Facebook because that felt right. Mm-hmm. And... I had a gay friend immediately shoot me down and tell me that I wasn't a real gay. Um, But it doesn't really work that way. You don't just, you know, have a a partner who's suddenly changing their gender and you're gay now. It doesn't work that way. I felt like this, well, you know, I have all this history Mm -hmm. being a queer person, being a little weird. My clothes have always looked different. I'm a little kooky. I know that. Um, But to be cut off immediately because she was angry. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to join her club and I didn't meet her qualifications. And that's really so angry and stressful. Mm -hmm. And nobody should be that angry and stressful. Yeah, no. So, um, I blocked her. (laughs) Good. So that's that's taken care of because, like, Junior high friends that aren't very nice to you, they don't have to stay on your Facebook page. Isn't that a beautiful thing <laughs> to not have to care about those uh, people Oh, yeah, self-care anymore? housekeeping. There, yes. there, there is an unfriend and a block button on Facebook. There's an it's unfollow, beautiful. too. Unfollow, yeah. yep. And I suggest people go and exercise those as soon as you feel comfortable. Great for in it's just, uh, yeah, it's just you can just unfollow. Out. They think you're still friends. It's fine if they Check tag you. You the can pictures. still see stuff. It's yeah. Totally yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll let uh, Phoenix so the, tell the her story. Context so. that Sprick um, alluded to at the end there. Um, I, I'm a assigned male at birth person, um, a trans woman, and when we met, I was still I had I, there was probably there was signs as far back as any time period I pick. I can. <laughs> Um, 
see the clues or the, the cracks in the shell or whatever you want to. 2020 vision. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Hindsight. But I, I hadn't quite gotten there when I met Sprig. Um, things were very tumultuous at that time. I was raised Christian for 23 years. I hear you on that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, solid believer. You know, um, I was very strong in my faith for a very long time, but I didn't have that inner experience really because it was different <laughs> than what I could present. Even in private, I thought, because, you know, God was watching. And I had to be what God made me. You know, and that was, you know, a young man. <laughs> so I went about life that way and got married, had two boys, but things didn't go well relationship-wise. You know, the, the things that I've since unraveled, you know, were still very much strong coping, coping mechanisms and... Mm-hmm. You know, mixed with the biological things that were wrong, um, because we have found out that there, there are biological links <laughs> to people like me. Um, there are developmental causes, mm-hmm. you know, that they can trace, you know, to certain hormone pushes that happen in the womb, you know, different times, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, the chromosomes kind of get things going, but great majority of our functions in life, you know, from birth on is really hormone driven, you know, the pituitary gland and all the different hormones that cause different things to do different things, you know, so things were just very weird for me. I was very awkward, you know, for the first two decades of my life. Very shy, spent a lot of time alone. We grew up rural um, in Sunflower, Arizona. My dad was a police officer. He's OCD, has PTSD. My mom's a, a bipolar <clears throat> hairdresser, cosmetologist. Um, Some of the best ones are. <laughs> Sometimes you have to be. And, lights, uh, low lights. Mm, that was beautiful. <laughs> narcissistic to a degree and, and mm-hmm. very selfish. Unaware. Very young, mm-hmm. you know, mentally, I think. Very self-centered. But we had a falling out um, around the time that Sprig's father passed away and I didn't see my parents for a year. I just had lunch with them a few weeks ago. Oh, that's great. Uh, for the first time in a year. They missed me. It's so good to hear. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm jumping around a lot. No, you're allowed to. If any listeners complain, you can complain in your own heads <laughs> or in your own cars or wherever you're listening. Do not send me messages. So I was actually working for a church. Mm-hmm. I was the technical director. I was in charge of all the AV Mm-hmm. things started getting really, really stressful there because I had all these bad coping mechanisms. I still have a lot of them, but I had a lot of challenges at home that I couldn't really deal with. You know, our, the ways that we were both raised, <laughs> you know, to handle conflict uh, were very at odds <laughs> with each other, and it, it kind of created these co-creating rage cycles. <laughs> right. And eventually she left me, and I went to my uh, sister's house or my brother-in-law's house, who was just a good friend at the time uh, from high school. Um, but he's since gone together with my sister. <laughs> oh. My brother-in-law now. Ah. Yeah. So my best friend from high school is, is now my now brother-in-law. Now brother. Yeah. That's nice how that works out. Yeah. Um, so they had an open room and let me stay, you know, so I got figured, things figured out. And, you know, we'd already separated a few times, mm-hmm. you know, at this point, And this was kind of the end 
my thing for both of us. Right. So she actually filed divorce papers and went through that whole deal and sold the house and everything. And mm-hmm. December 2012, I, or that was about sometime in December, I mean, 2012, I met Sprig. And the first night we actually saw each other in person, we kind of walked into each other's lives and just never really parted. <laughs> Zing. Yeah. I, mean, I was still, still hadn't figured things out yet, so right. still presenting now. So things were different when we met, you know, mm-hmm. and we were together for like a year, exactly a year. We, we got married on our anniversary. Aww. Uh, in Mesa. It's a little justice court. You know, my sister and her boyfriend at the time. Um, not the brother. Not, not my best friend from high school. No. <laughs> but anyway, my sister and her boyfriend mm-hmm. at the time came to the courthouse and were our witnesses and I went to dinner afterwards. And a few months later... What were you doing when the epiphany occurred? <laughs> Well, again, it was little chips in the wall, right? you know, over a very long time. And my life changed a lot, but even before then, um, mm-hmm. even before I transitioned gender-wise, right? You know, I completely turned my back on my religion, my faith, right. you know, and I, you know, told God off and, you know, said some really horrible things to Jesus. <laughs> we, we've, we've all done that, being, being from a yeah. Christian background as well. It's... I, 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 I kind of know where you're coming from on that mm-hmm. end because I've, I've done that. It was like a breakup. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was it, like a, a bad breakup. Yeah. Right. You know, with my deity of 23 years. Right. Yeah. And because it, it's one of those, why did you put me through this? Why, you know, all, all that type of stuff. Yeah. So I, I see where you're coming from on that. So what was happening when you turned to Sprig and you said, hey, honey. I was playing video games. Oh. This was not expected. I got a, honey, would you come sit on the couch? And I'm like, I'm three feet away from the couch. Why do I need to sit on the couch? Are we breaking up? (laughs) (laughs) You said that while in game. Yeah. Like a true nerd. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't like over the the chat. We got off the game. We were in the same room playing uh, Can can we talk? And I was like, this is not good. What did I do? I'm going to think about the last 48 hours. It has to be somewhere in there. Got to figure it out. I've got like that, 30 that w- seconds. That I was one like, cut. you know, white and like my... sweating a little yeah, bit. Was, you know, she could tell that I was, this was important. Yeah. Oh, on top of everything, though, I like to say that we were the first gay marriage in Arizona um, because gay marriage was not legal at the time. And it was this not was legal before, she uh, came this out. was prior to Oberger so, from the Hodges. And mm-hmm. We got married in, on New Year's Eve mm-hmm. of um, 2013. Mm-hmm. So it was not until April of, of 2014 mm-hmm. that marriage equality happened. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was very nervous, too, because I wasn't sure where that put me in the world. Right. And it was um, about, legally also about even. that time. Right, that of course. It, it's not comfortable to be in a place that you're not wanted, right. especially mm-hmm. when the laws um, aren't made to protect you. Right. That would make it a, a difficult legal situation. I agree. I do want to say one of the deciding factors about asking you guys was because I feel being able to get through that together and still being together and just you both exude the love to each other that you do and you have great communication from what I see and can handle each other's demons that was I was like you guys will be able to communicate to and and 
be so that, I'd the always been able shade to. is real right now, though. <laughs> the mercury shade is real. Yeah, yeah. I, I was <laughs> always yeah. able to share with each other, mm-hmm. you know, um, even before the great reckoning. Um, I, I, I won't say reckoning. Rebirth. Yeah, there you go. Phoenix. Mm. Um, I thought that's what the point of the name Phoenix was, was coming of yourself. It's so much more so mundane yeah. than that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I have these glamorous, beautiful Oh, no, it, it fits having... me well, and I'm grateful uh, yes. to the Fae, you know, for giving it to me. <laughs> the, the story of that is interesting for another time. Um, for another time, yes. So course. we sat down, you know, being able to share. We've worked through some deep things together know in our our year together you know before we even got married in the several months into our our new marriage and so she's like okay you know what's up and we sit down and i take a big deep breath and it's like you remember that thing you said a few weeks ago and a, a few weeks ago she we were probably drinking beer and having a good time watching you know something game of thrones or something <laughs> Just off the cuff, Spriggs says, you know, I'd love you even if you didn't have a penis. <laughs> Just because we were so comfortable together, you, you know, no on a soul idea level. how innocuous little things that you say. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't know if she saw signs or something, but she just said that and it stuck in my head for a few weeks and <laughs> like, let it turn off. I yeah. had forgotten about it it was it was one of those just, off the cuff yeah. type of comments and I did not retain it it mm-hmm. was not recorded yeah. it was one of those <laughs> off the cuff truths uh-huh. right. and uh, you said to that oh I cried for like three days oh like I wake up and uh-huh. I cry and then I'd have breakfast and I cry it was it was um I I could not process things it had right. happened so suddenly and I was I guess in shock like mm-hmm. I did not know how things were anymore that my is my yeah. life had been upturned she didn't know if I was gonna leave her if I, oh, yeah, I didn't know or... if my marriage was valid I didn't know if I was going to jail mm-hmm. I did not know much about the community because like I said my background is that I never had to identify at all. Right. They, I was just mm-hmm. there. And it was okay that I wore T-shirts. It's okay that I wear a dress. It's okay that I wear jeans. I can wear sandals or I can wear combat boots. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's never mattered. So it's really hard when you have to figure out who you are all of a sudden. Does things change? And the things were happening with... Um, Profiling, Arpaio is profiling Latinos. And it can literally happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, Less that I be next if I not say anything. And it's stressful to to be closeted the whole time that you're human. Like right now, I'm still not out to my family. Mm -hmm. I, I post all kinds of witchy memes. Like they've got to know but we've not had the talk. Right. We had a talk. Hey mom, I'm an atheist. And she pulled funding for my wedding and wouldn't talk to me for six months. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> it's just not necessary. I figured atheist was better than I'm, you know, practicing witchcraft and becoming a lesbian. That's not what a good Catholic mom wanted to hear probably. So, you know, I was just like, 
okay, there isn't a God. And she was like, no, nah, not hell, hell no. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I think we're going to take a short break and then dive into some more questions and talking about community, if you guys don't mind. All right, we are back with Millennial Pagan Podcast. And of course, we uh, we uh, are here, of course, with Sprig and Phoenix still. So we, we've kind of talked a little bit about your coming of which story and then kind of your coming to yourself story. How do you feel that those two stories, you know, how, how they intertwine, kind of bring you back to coming coming to yourself, coming to being who you are and how everything is kind of, kind of reconciled? Well, kind of, as I mentioned previously, there was a lot of hurt <laughs> in the past, a lot of damage there, spiritually, psychically. I consider myself a staunch atheist for a while and there was damage there um, to my spirit because I'm a spiritual being <laughs> and these things had no avenue had no expression so it wasn't good I discovered paganism witchcraft kind of as a as a coming back to spirituality you know in general because I just found everything so it, it kind of allowed myself to and this was I think even had I come out yet? It, it, they blend together. Mm-hmm. Um, They're both coming out of the way. Yeah. Well, one's coming out of the closet, the other right. one's coming out of the broom closet. <laughs> there you go. So it's two walkthroughs. Yeah. But it, it was a it was a kind of stepping back into that realm of faith. You know, um, I am very gnostic. I, I I know that you know other exists. You know, and, and that I know that fairies are real and. You know, there's there's gods and goddesses and entities, and but I don't shun any form of modern science or any empirical mm-hmm. things. You know, they're they're valid in different contexts. A central central tenant of the fairy religion is the idea of three souls. Uh, we have a younger self, we have a talking self, and we have a, a higher self or god self. And a big part of that whole unraveling, rebuilding cycle cycles because it, it, it it's it is cyclical you go back and revisit things is learning about and caring for building a relationship with fetch with the younger self because we believe that fetch is the one that has the direct connection to divine the god self they communicate in ways that we can't communicate mm-hmm. and so for our magic to have any potential for to create change uh, we have to engage fetch we have to engage younger self in our rituals in our manifestation work whether that's you know rolling down a hill or playing hopscotch or eating a piece of peppermint candy and thinking about christmas during a spell you know it's waking up fetch so that you can have that connection to divine um because if talking self and fetch are moving in the same direction then great work can be done uh great self-work um and that's helped me reconcile my past and the pain and the hurt i've welcomed Christ back into my pantheon. You know, I was down in Bisbee for a work trip and uh, got done with the work and there was this beautiful uh, cathedral, Catholic cathedral there, and, and an old wise friend that I met along the way told me that in times past you would honor the local gods of the land, whatever, if you were traveling, if you had business somewhere other than where you lived, you were stopping through somewhere, you would honor their gods. You know, you'd go to their temple and 
do whatever you know is appropriate when in rome exactly makes a lot yeah. more sense uh, and it, it it was you know for good luck on your journey you know because you're, you're going to different principalities and you know spiritual realms of authority you know that change so i said hey why not we'll go into this cathedral and i was never catholic but they're linked <laughs> you know their tropes you know there it's it's that's you know jesus's house for a lot of people in the world and i went to the um you know the the, the christ you know and spoke with him and kind of in peace <laughs> and on the way out i i saw fairies playing with the saints you know in the glass and it all kind of relates you know I, I realized that the idea of the trinity is kind of a metaphor for you know that tripartite nature of our souls <laughs> you know um jesus was you know kind of like that that younger self of the trinity that that went down and felt because fetch feels fetch can see or think about a tree but it's not the word tree you know mm-hmm. so christ was how god felt could interact with us on an emotional level god the father is talking self in the trinity you know he spoke to moses you know his his voice always came down from heaven you know no one could see his face um it was the word the primal word that you know sparked creation mm-hmm. om and ong mm-hmm. you know, potential and action um star goddess in myria and then the holy spirit the sacred dove god's god self god's higher self the executor of god's will when god spoke and commanded something to happen the holy spirit was the part of god that executed exec the executor of god's will mm-hmm. you know when god slayed the the firstborn in, in egypt you know it was the holy spirit that went out and did that you mm-hmm. know when jesus healed people you know or fed the masses it was the holy spirit that was the energy that carried those wills out uh, it's the same way very you know our god self is the executor of our magical intent our will that the Bible said that, you know, no, no one can get to the Father, you know, or, or a higher self. There's some flexibility in the, in the analogy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. without the Son, without Jesus. And uh, so there's that engagement with Fetch, with the younger self, with the emotional self to make magic happen. And I think that, I think that's why I, I feel that you and I have a lot of a connection there because of our Christian walk when we, when we were there. And then kind of the, the reconciliation with still having the christian god jesus in our pantheons i think that that's actually kind of well one of the things that really that when we started talking kind of drew me to you you know i was like okay i understand how that can be worked into my pagan walk so i mean that from a personal standpoint i do want to thank you for that i can also hear people out there thinking oh you're you're doing a mental backflips here you know holding it, it, oh, it's double think. It's double speak. You know, you're saying, oh, um, science is real. Oh, magic is real. You know, oh, magic is just what science hasn't decided <laughs> and hasn't figured out how to answer. Yeah, but I can I can imagine someone think, out there thinking that you know that it's that I'm practicing double speak or, or mm. double think. Yes and no. <laughs> and again, fairy is very paradoxical. But I think this is it, this aspect of this tradition cannot be understated because of its power to bring people together and bring different materials together to form even for a moment a, t- a tapestry you know i can interact on a spiritual level with you know a christian or a buddhist or a witch or an atheist you know because of this ability to hold different ideas different realities you know because one moment we can be 
here in this room together and the next moment we could be in fairy we could be in ritual and all of a sudden the fire turns blue and talking self might say oh someone threw copper in the fire or something but fetch says we're in the presence of divinity and both are valid and both are true in fairy i don't think it's double think i think it's inclusion and openness Mm -hmm. Um, to, to other ideas of other. So how about you, Sprig? How, how did you find your center? I think the um, culmination of my passion, if you will, um, <laughs> uh, it's been one of those difficult spiritual journeys again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as beautiful and within the lines as I'd like. However, it's given me more awareness than I've ever had of myself. Um, I don't know that I knew myself before or else I wouldn't decide on what was exactly me. I didn't set the parameters. And I think it's important to do that sort of thing, to know who you are. And that understanding that I can change turmoil and trouble within myself and that I can change the world outside of myself as well, that made me feel more whole and more capable not helpless not just some other weirdo sitting alone on their computer playing video games a bunch of hours a day you know Mm -hmm. like it's not my motivations aren't the same anymore i i find myself doing more things that help than hurt making better choices altogether because i think about uh repercussions the the little things that I might affect. And I've realized that causes me tons more stress. There was a time when I did not look um, my experiences and the experiences that we're having globally. I didn't look it in the eyes. I didn't look myself in the eyes and say, hey, you're having this life. I'd like you to be here. Um, That never happened. I was just desperately floating what what am i going to do mm-hmm. is my life going to end i have the ability to make change within myself and outside of myself and i think that's the culmination for me is that magic isn't something far away in a castle in the greens of ireland you know mm-hmm. where they have soft grass <laughs> but it's not something that i'm so much worried about anymore Mm-hmm. I feel like I have sort of an outline, uh, ways to go, directions forward, the hope that we talked about. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up. I know I kind of teased to our listeners um, a little bit more uh, questions about community, but I think this was a beautiful first start at getting to know these two lovely people who obviously Jara and I care about a lot. And we think that this is an important conversation to start with, as we do with our coming of witch stories. So we're going to be asking both of you to come back and we'll start diving in those hard topics. With that being said, it won't be our next episode. So I'm calling out to our listeners, ask questions, send us questions either through email, through our Facebook, through our Twitter. I already posted a prompt on both Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Be mindful that if your question isn't asked or if we don't respond right away, we do see, we do hear, we will ask something similar. We will try to touch on your topics. Be 
polite, be kind. These two lovely ladies are taking a lot of time out to help us understand what we need to talk about. Also, if there's somebody else whose voice needs to be heard, let us know. Uh, with that being said, we're going to turn now to our events coming up. We're going to have a new moon and a solar eclipse on the 12th of this month, both on the same day. Oi. <laughs> also, as we teased earlier, don't forget about our Patreon. We do have exclusive mini-sodes. If this relapses into possibly a third episode, it might just pop onto there just to maybe give a little bit more encouragement. We also want to thank Neat B for becoming a Patreon supporter. Thank you very much for that. If you're only finding us on our Facebook and Twitter posts, don't forget that Millennial Pig Podcast is listenable on Podbean, iTunes, SoundCloud, and now... Spotify. We're on Spotify, guys. Yeah, which, which was the, uh, the big one for us. We actually, we were waiting probably about three, almost four weeks mm-hmm. uh, after I put in the request and then finally literally the day after our last show went live we got the got the notification hey you're on spotify now oh my god so yeah yeah it's definitely a a good blessing because spotify is one of the one of the bigger places to listen to all these different podcasts and it's of course downloadable to your phone and this is not a sponsored show for spotify but the personally it's what i use to listen to all different types of podcasts and music um so if you guys haven't downloaded it yet definitely go ahead download it you can take it with you wherever you go just like with all of our other uh all of our listener apps as well and if you're looking for the podcast interaction, like I said, we are also on Twitter at uh, Millennial Pagan, um, Facebook Millennial Pagan Podcast. Our email is millennialpaganpod at gmail.com. And again, please let us hear from you. Give us some things to ask that we haven't already, questions, comments, concerns, topics, issues that have come up in your community your or in your area and and as proof that we do that we do listen we do respond we actually had a uh, new listener and a new pagan write into our email and we uh, we responded uh, within a couple of days but we but it, it was there and it was a uh, I, I read through what uh, what you sent Ottoman that was Good, good job on. I'm glad you felt that way. She actually came. I do host the Pagan uh, Book Talk, mm-hmm. Phoenix Valley. And um, if you have any questions about that as well, please let me know. Jarrah, where can we find you on the interwebs? Uh, of course, on Twitter. Just look for Jarrah Stone, J-E-R-A-S-T-O-N-E. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and WordPress. Facebook, I am Autumn Wolf, Wolf ending with an E. Twitter, I'm at Autumn Wolf with ending an E. WordPress, it is Iron Wolf Circle. And my email is autumn.ironwolf at gmail.com. You can also email me specifically if you don't want Jared reading it, but he will eventually see it. Um, I, I, I got I to gotta keep up to speed with everything that's going on. Yeah, we, we constantly talk. Yeah. It, I hope I'm not overbearing. Anyway. No, 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 not not yet. If you guys have any questions for the two of us, um, feel free to reach out to these lovely two people. Of course. Um, yeah. We'll pass those on. I know the, the MPP tries to stay non-tradition specific. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But if you have any questions or are interested in reclaiming tradition or, or the fairy tradition or the mm-hmm. work that we do in, um, in the world, also reach yeah. out and we'll- we can get together. We'll definitely follow that through. So from all of us here at Millennial Pagan Podcast... Merry meet. Merry part. And And merry meet meet again. again.